1: everybody, and welcome to a special National Signing Day edition of Tunnel Vision. I'm your host, Keleor, Orr, joined by Ryan Abraham and recruiting, recruiting guru, legend, goat, whatever you want to call him, Gerard Martinez. He's kindly joined us in the studio today. Hi, guys. How are you doing? What's doing up?
2: Well? Yeah, Gerard came all the way from the Inland Empire out for this.
1: So you
2: know it's I a big day. It's a big day. It's it's you is it is it? you're a big day, it's or long day. it's the recruiting apocalypse because on National Signing Day, Gerard left uh, his house. His so cave, that's,
1: his his war if you, room. If cave. Gerard well, no, does I, that, I, there's I really do. nothing going on. That's <laughs> I, that's. No, I do
2: reason.
0: usually leave the house, I, but it's to cover an event. I don't go down to be a part of an event right. where it's just sort of you know people hanging out and, because there's nothing really to do because there's really no news to break. Right. In.
1: Yeah. Well, that's already,
0: what Ryan's getting at. Yeah.
1: What they're getting at is that it's been a. Pretty anticlimactic day for USC on National Signing Day. We'll get into that. We'll get Gerard's thoughts. Uh, we'll talk about USC's coaching moves. USC made a, made it official, things that had been reported about firings and hirings on its coaching staff. We'll talk about that. And as always, you can call us, talk to Gerard, talk to Ryan, uh, 5124-TUNNEL-RS. Intern Micah is standing by to screen your calls. Uh, and then, of course, you can tweet at us, hashtag TunnelVision. I'll put your tweet up on the screen. And wherever you're watching, may it be a YouTube, Periscope, or Facebook, put your comments, questions, and concerns, and we will answer them as best as we can. Uh, like I said, guys, we're going to start with National Signing Day. As of recording this episode of TunnelVision, USC stands at uh, the 55, 55th class overall, 10th in the Pac-12. Uh, this is the worst rankings of the internet era for this this class, uh, guys. Let's just get your overall thoughts first. What do you make of this uh, class as a whole?
2: Yeah, Keely. I think uh, you said it before we went on the air. You could just play the instant analysis that Keely and myself did after the early signing period press conference. Pretty much applies. They've only added one player since then. Uh, Jack Eury is a four-star tight end from Marietta Valley, and you know his his father Ron was a number one overall draft pick when he was an All-American at USC. But you look at this class, Keeley talked about being the worst of the internet era. So we started keeping track of this, you know, Rivals.com and Scout and all that stuff back in the early 2000s, late, you know, 1990s. Uh, before that, it was more like one numbers and some newspaper stuff. But during the internet era, there's never been a class that's even close to this bad. USC, until last year, never finished outside of the top 13, and that was one of the sanctions years that would still have a whole bunch of five-star players in it. So last year's you know, 20th-ranked class was by far the worst. Now you're talking about the number 55-ranked class. Uh, it's, it's just we've never seen anything like this before. And we have a lot of recruitniks from the message boards on the Peristyle and USCfootball.com that go back to the 70s following recruiting. It was a lot harder then. A lot of newspaper stuff. Sometimes they'd go see games themselves. And all the guys that we talked to said, this is by far the worst class. Now, it's smaller. There's fewer people in it, so you're not going to get as many points. It's heavy on linemen, six offensive linemen, three defensive linemen. But a lot of that's because USC's missed out on offensive linemen over the last couple of years. So I, I don't buy the excuses. This is an inexcusable class for a program like USC with that prestige to sign. So it's pretty bad. You look at the top, 350 players in the country, according to the 24-7 sports composite, USC signed one. That is inexcusable. So it is, to me, I would say this is the worst class in USC football history. It's one that Clay is going to have to put behind him and try to build things up. The class of 2021 looks better already, but this, Gerard, to me, was the worst class I've seen.
0: Okay. Can I take your torch and your pitchf- pitchfork <laughs> and put them aside for a second?
2: You're going to be the good cop, I'll be the bad cop. There's
0: really no good cop here. Uh, There's only the evil, upset, angry cop and (laughs) the cop that is off duty already. Because there's not a lot to really say about it that's necessarily positive. I think today was really about could they make a move with Mike Drennan II, running back out of Dublin, Ohio. That was really the only news today where USC went back and forth. Last night it was Kentucky- I think he called USC to basically say he was going to Kentucky and they kind of talked him out of it for a little bit and there was a little bit of wavering back and forth, but ultimately he committed to Kentucky and that's the third running back that USC has lost. It's been a priority recruit in this cycle and that's a position that they would really like to have gotten a guy that could have been an impact player and it kind of sort of summed up the class as a whole. You know, I think USC, they got focused in on some specific players uh, they didn't offer necessarily a lot of players at different positions and recruit those guys seriously. And I think with USC in the running back position, they got hooked in with Bijan John Robinson, and they felt like they had a really good shot at him over the summer. He ends up committing to Ohio State silently, and then he turns around and commits to Texas, which is to say USC ended up being three out of three in his, cl- in his choice of schools. And yet they still kind of lingered around a bit. And I think there was a feeling, yeah, he might flip. He might end up going to USC. Ultimately, Ty Jordan was another guy that they recruited very hard, ends up committing to Texas. Uh, they couldn't really get away from that. It was like a bad read that they kind of sucked. They kind of put all their eggs in that basket. And then when they finally I think, realized, okay, we got to start o- offering mm-hmm. other running backs, you know, you got into almost October and there still wasn't really anybody but just Mike Drennan. And then they sort of focused in on him. You go, okay, all right. He's a four-star barely. He's not necessarily like a big guy that all these big schools are going after right now. That might be a guy they can slide in they can kind of steal away. And then ultimately, they lose them to Kentucky. And, And so that... That's sort of just the class in general where you had some specific guys that they wanted to get. Bryce Young, they they really centered in on those guys, focused in on those guys, didn't have a lot of maybe plan C, plan D. And uh, I guess with the season, you have that loss to BYU. You have a really, really bad loss at home to Oregon. I think those two losses really made recruiting during the season pretty much uh impossible for them. They they really got no traction with any new players. They really never developed any new leads with new players. And so they just kept going back to those guys that they had offered and they continued to recruit over the summer and they weren't flipping those guys with the season that they had. They weren't flipping those guys when you lose to BYU and everybody talks about Clay Helton, he's fired. And then you lose to Oregon like that. Everybody says Clay Helton is fired. They don't think that that coaching staff is going to be there, so they're looking for more stability elsewhere. So that's basically what the class became. It became sort of this mediocre thing that, you know, if it would have come together with the guys that they had planned A, it would have been a good typical USC class. And there was a, 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 a point there where you go, okay, what's the ceiling for the class? I think we were coming in to early signing day. People asked us, you know, what was the ceiling? That got misconstrued into a prediction for me, but it was ultimately the question was, what's the best this class can do? And at that point, we're going, well, maybe 25. You know, maybe they can get in the top 25 somehow. You get Flo, you get Bryce Young, you get these guys that they've been there forever. You know, these are the guys that they offered in the spring. These are the guys that they were supposed to have locked up when they were juniors in high school. And that's what USC kept coming back to. And ultimately, they just did not have the season. And they did not recruit well enough to be able to land those guys. And so the plan B's and plan C's just didn't seem to be very developed this cycle.
2: Yeah.
1: Now, you mentioned the early signing period. When we got to talk to Clay Helton in the press conference, uh, one of the things he said was that this class would look different in February. Now, it kind of did. It was in the 70s at the point that he said that, like I said earlier, it's 55 right now. But – They didn't really add much or enough to make it sound like... Basically what Clay Hilton was saying is it's going to look much better in February. Here we are in February. It doesn't look much better. And to kind of add the cherry on top, uh, we didn't really have a Clay Helton press conference on National Signing Day, which is something we're used to. He did go on the Pac-12 Network. uh, He did go on USC's own uh, radio show, Trojans Live. But we didn't get to talk to him, us, the media. So it kind of gives this... A little bit of uh, the narrative that he's hiding a little bit didn't mm-hmm. want to like uh, answer to what he said in Jan or uh, in December. What do you make of kind of Clay Helton not talking to us today?
2: Yeah, that's another first. So there've always been. Now I know the the February signing period has been diminished; it's not as important. Um, but usually it's not important when you have you sign your Clemson or something. You sign like twenty three guys in December, and you're pretty much done. And maybe you add a couple, and it doesn't really matter. USC needed; they they fell short in December. Needed to bounce back in February, but there's just not that many opportunities to do that. And like Gerard mentioned, a guy like Michael Drennan, uh, you, f- you know, fall short there. There was a, a quarterback from Texas that was coming off a uh, uh, mission which is uh,
0: interesting oh you're gonna go for for uh finnegan, uh kate
2: uh did, was it kate finnegan kate finnegan yeah Who well, ends up going i like was the gonna say usc
0: actually they were 54 today and we, we just went on air they dropped to 55 which is an interesting number because usc and 55 sure. but more interestingly they dropped behind baylor and baylor is a school that ended up uh, signing blake Sh- shapen oh the other who was the other yeah. quarterback uh from evangel christian uh, in Shreveport, Louisiana, who USC felt like they had a really good shot at, uh, had him in this official visit, and then S- Baylor sneaks in there with uh, David Aranda as a new head coach, and some connections there with Louisiana, obviously being at LSU, and they nab him away from USC at yeah. the eleventh hour. So, Cade uh, Fennigan,
2: we're still waiting to see what the official word is there. Boise State did tweet out this morning; they did he announce signed. him. Yeah, uh, they didn't
1: say sign though in the tweet. Which, if we're
2: oh, they said he's part of the part Bronco of the family, family yeah. or whatever. But, but. to
1: Talk about him publicly, you would think
0: that he would yeah, have to be, be yeah. I don't
2: think they're allowed to compliance. Now he's coming okay.
0: back from a Mormon mission, so he's in a little different situation. He's not coming straight out of high school as a 2018 recruit. Uh, a two-star in the 2018 class, but he was recruited by Graham Harrell. So in, wait, a
2: two-star went to Boise State over USC. Gerard, don't say that. You're you're the well, bad cop
0: now. First of all, he went to North Texas <laughs> before he went to anywhere, and that's where his connection is to USC because of
2: Graham Harrell. Yeah. Um, but uh, well, back to the the press conference stuff. This is we haven't seen this. This is the first time, right. and you know, only adding one player uh, it makes sense. But if you are going to go on your own live show, and you're going to go on the Pac-12 network, I think it would have been a good idea. Well, technically, he
0: didn't go on his live show. He just phoned in. He did phone in, and his
2: his phone cut out at the very end. But I think it would have made sense, not just for, you know, kind of recapping the signing period. And like Keely said, they were kind of talking up there, we're going to add some guys to this. It's not done yet. And it was pretty much done. Um, Well, we're still stuff.
0: You know, it it obviously makes Mike Bone look bad too because he had the infamous – sort of quote recruiting is going much better than anybody wants to admit
2: yeah which is
0: tough you go back to that and and he's obviously coming in new he has some faith in clay helton um he wants to look for reasons to say this is why we brought him back i'm confident that things are still going in the right direction that obviously came before the poll game and it came before early signing day and it came before national signing day in february and all three of those events didn't go well for USC.
2: Yeah, and I, th- I think one real quick thing though with the press conference, it's not just the signing period stuff. It's really you have a new defensive coordinator, Todd Orlando. There's yep. other new coaches too. Who we met today? Yeah, we actually accidentally. We, yeah, we accidentally <laughs> met Todd Orlando and Craig uh, Niver uh, at the uh, at Rock and Rallies. We did a little signing day gathering. We, a we could talk about that in a little bit, but yeah, so it would have been a good opportunity because that's something you can sell. Uh, Clay Hilton on the live show was very excited about Todd Orlando. The people I talked to at Texas really liked Todd Orlando. Yes, he got fired from Texas, but it was sort of one of those things where is it like an Apple stock that had a bad quarter and you get to buy it cheap? That's that's what USC is hoping for. That's a positive that you could sell, and I think they missed an opportunity to do that by not having a press conference.
0: Potentially just having him – be able to even speak because he's a very fired up guy. He's a guy that has got a lot of energy. We've heard that behind the scenes already, just with the one recruiting weekend that he was a part of that, you know, he was more interactive and, and really engaging with the recruits, than Clancy Pendergast had been probably the whole year. And so there's a lot of energy in the office right now because yeah. of Tart Orlando, and a lot of people feel like, hey, man, this could be a home run hire. This could really help in some ways be able to kind of turn the corner a bit on the culture at USC. We'll see. Obviously, Clay Helton has to buy into that. It's a very interesting thing where you're looking at assistant coaching hires and you're wondering how much does the head coach buy into the assistant coaches, which is very that doesn't happen. It's usually the players or the assistant coaches yeah. buying it to the head coach.
1: Yeah. Now, to be fair, could you the official response we got from USC is that uh, it's February, not that many players signed. It's usually more hoopla in the early signing period. Could we see a press conference for Todd Orlando down the line, or do you think we just have to wait till spring practice? I wouldn't count on it.
2: Yeah. The the way the things have been going, I mean, you know, Gerard talked about it. It's like when Mike Bode made these kind of positive comments, it was. Uh, before the debacle uh, for the Holiday Bowl and before the debacle for early signing period and February signing period, there's been a lot of misses. There's a lot of missteps, a lot of bad news that has been coming. And we kind of get, you know, they kind of avoid the press more in those situations. So, Keely, I wouldn't... Now, there's still three coaches to be hired. We'll talk about that in a minute. Mm -hmm. Maybe when all of them come in, they would have some kind of press conference, especially with not having one at signing day. But that's not really been their MO. We haven't seen them go out and make these kind of special press conferences. So I, I wouldn't bank on it, but, you know, who knows?
1: Mm-hmm. Like I said, uh, the one guy that USC got to tout today uh, was Jack Gary, uh, the Trojan legacy, uh, four-star tight end. Uh, on Trojans Live, uh, Clay Hilton also talked about Gary Bryant. And Gerard, when I was asking you before the show, who's your impact player, you mentioned Gary Bryant as well.
0: Yeah, Gary Bryant, I think, in terms of the fit, uh, you're looking, obviously, at the receiver position where you have Michael Pittman move on. Uh, the talk has been that Oman Ross St. Brown wants to move to the outside. Now, there's been some internal talk, and with the recruiting weekend and specifically talking about Jack Yeri, there was a lot of, okay, Drake Jackson, or excuse me, Drake London is now going to move to the outside. He played mostly in the slot. He played the, as I've heard many times talked about, essentially tight end position, which I have a lot of beef with that because I don't think he played a tight end position really at all. He was just a big receiver inside. Um, there's been talk about him moving outside, and then there's Amon Ra that wants to move outside, mainly because of draft status. You want to be able to play the outside as well as the inside. In certain you know, situations, you may be drafted by a team that doesn't play a lot with the slot. So maybe you want to be that guy that's versatile enough that you can go out of the outside. So that's his main thinking of being able to play on the outside. But nonetheless, that's going to open up the slot position for a guy like Gary Bryant, and a guy that we have not seen at USC in quite some time, a guy that is a legitimate speed vertical threat a guy that in space makes great plays he can do a lot after the catch and a guy that's also going to be uh, crucial I think in the special teams with kick returns he is a weapon uh, as a special teams player and it's gonna be interesting to see because now they have a new special teams coach that's again something culturally that we look at with USC and Clay Helton special teams has been a big part of everything they've done and it's been yeah, very sort of a mixed bag, you know. I mean, moderately successful sometimes, uh, but then other times, you know, a, a big, a big kind of a, a black mark in, in terms of the game and 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 plays kind of going each way. You want to see more consistency there and perhaps maybe just a less investment there if you're not going to be great at special teams take less time on it and just go and try to yeah. you know work on tackling or work on the <laughs> fundamentals uh, of the game. And, and you've got a guy like there, though, with Gary Bryant, and we're going to have to see you know the guy that they bring in as a special teams coach. Is he going to be more of a kicking coach, or is he going to be a guy that's going to actually go back there and work with those returners and try to make that a part of the game that can they can actually get some points out of? It. They can maybe turn the field a little bit because they get good yardage. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Before we move on to coaching moves, I just want to wrap up uh, National Signing Day. Something we've heard a lot from fans, Gerard, and, and people who are maybe critical of the criticism from the media is that uh, social media and the negative negativity from fans and maybe the media has had an impact on recruits and USC's recruiting prowess, if you will. How do you think that plays into it if it does at all?
0: It plays. I mean, all these kids, they listen to their parents and their parents read message boards and their parents talk to other parents. I mean, there's certainly a ripple effect that happens, but where does that ripple effect begin? Where, where where's the rock that gets thrown into the pond? Well, that rock is every loss and so when you have that those losses you have all these negative things going on with the universities in general which you know there's things outside of football that i think negatively affect usc how much do parents hear about that i think it's just a constant stream of usc being in the wrong side of the headline yeah and that just it it has an impact and it's not necessarily the fans fault they have a reason and they have a right to be outraged with the way the investment and the priorities of the university have seemed to shelve football um, they're not they're not you know making things up here when they see that you know the football team has just sort of been minimized to some uh, extent and the university has gone with other things to try to push ahead and it's a matter of okay are you kind of uh, undermining the football program purposely you know we see that at certain universities where football is looked at as a threat to some extent and I don't want to kind of go down a rabbit hole here, but it, the 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 educators and the people that feel like this is all about the education, it's about Nobel Prize winners, it's about something other than sports. And football, obviously, because of the money that it generates, they feel that as a threat, so they constantly try to undermine that. I don't know if maybe USC has some of that in the administration, maybe there's some of that going on, but the fans feel it, and they see it, and they see it as the football program is basically being you know, disenfranchised and they're, they're mad. And, and I think I said this on a podcast, that's, that's a good thing for anybody at USC in the athletic department that wants football to be great again. If you want football to be great again, you take all this negativity on the chin, but you'd say to yourself, at least they still care.
2: Yeah, they have a passion. At least
0: a- there's still anger there. When they stop showing up altogether and you hear nothing and it's just crickets, you lost them. And then yeah. then, then, you then if you really want football to be great, then you start to really, really worry.
2: Yeah, apathy is the main enemy there. And you're seeing a lot of fans become apathetic. They're like, I just can't follow the team anymore. Yeah. But those passionate ones that are negative, I don't buy that it has a whole lot to do with the recruits. I mean, if you're going to give a list of priorities for what or why a recruit would choose a school – Fans being negative on Twitter is going to be way far down there. If you're making Well, she
0: just asked me if it made an
2: impact. An, Not if but, is it is the ultimate But if you're making a stew, you're making a beef stew right. and Food it analogy. doesn't and it doesn't taste good and you're like, "Well, <laughs> The meat that I used was expired. That's like the losses. That's the the recruiters not calling all the time or not getting plan B. And the negativity on Twitter is like I used a pinch too much salt. Like, "Eh, it's a little too salty. But you're using terrible – the bad meat is the main reason why this is I mean, it's really
0: more of a symptom of the problem and it just resonates and then it becomes sort of recycled and then it becomes a part of the problem it's a weird sort of cyclical thing so no i agree with you it's certainly not you cannot
2: blame the fan base for why like if the fans were just positive recruiting would be better that is categorically false well again
0: better i mean Maybe it'd be a little better, but I mean, it wouldn't is certainly, there any, who it's wouldn't not taking USC from 11th or 10th in the Pac-12 to number
2: three. <laughs> Does Justin Flow sign with USC if there was no negativity on Twitter? No. no. Okay. that's yeah, We certainly. can move on.
0: Right.
1: So in <laughs> that sense though, is this a trend that we're going to start seeing from USC's recruiting classes unless there is a switch in regi- regime or winning starts happening?
2: We said this last year. The only way to fix recruiting is win. Or switch the regime, like, and yep. they didn't win, and they didn't switch the regime. And Gerard said this a lot of times before. This class could have been the rebound class from the the twentieth ranked last year, or the five and seven class. Which it it became, turned out to be the two and nine class. <laughs> it became worse than a five and seven class. Yeah. So yeah, it's it was going to be
0: the Justin Flow class or it was going to be the five and seven class. And it spiraled into basically <laughs> being a two and nine class. Cause at that point you think they're going to get Drennan. You think they're going to get Blake Shapen, You think they're going to pull together a couple guys, guys, end up with 16, 17 commits and they ultimately lose Drennan and Shapin. And, you know, they're still trying to fight out for, you know, a, a two star quarterback. So, I mean, in terms of ratings, yeah, this is, and it's, and it's really even worse than a bad season. And I kind of talked about this on the podcast before, you know, you have bad seasons sometimes. You have injuries. You have things that happen where you realize you're lining up against other Division One programs that are good football programs. But to lose in recruiting like this when you're sitting on top of the gold mine in Southern California and you've got all the tradition that USC has and you have the location, that's really hard to to kind of fathom. It's hard to wrap your head around how you could have such a bad recruiting class. I know The numbers aren't there. Clay Helton has kind of spun it more on well, it's not a 60 class because we had six offensive linemen and we had three defensive linemen.
1: And that's something that I wanted to ask you specifically, Gerard, because you can speak to this. The thing about this was a big man class, we needed a lineman, it's not false, it's not not a fallacy, but it's a little disingenuous because the class USC needed to get offensive linemen was the class last year, correct?
2: Yes. Yeah. The last two years, in fact. Sure. Yeah.
0: But the last class was where you had locally, you had four or five four-star guys. You really had... The, the the players that you knew needed to be in the lineup needed to be on the depth chart to be able to maybe take over for an Austin Jackson, a guy like Sean Ryan that you could put him in there, you could redshirt him, maybe you play him, but you put him back there and you got him ready to go because you want him to have at least a year at the college level before you're going to put him at left tackle. You don't want to put your left tackle out there as a guy that doesn't have any college experience. You know, you you find six guys, but are any of those six guys really going to play left tackle for you for next year? I tell you what, Keaton. Slow Always hopes not.
2: No, <laughs> Clay, Clay Hilton on the conference call today, or on the Jordan's live today, made it kind of sound like because he they talked about maybe getting guys from the transfer portal. They left a couple right. spots open, but he kind of said like one of those guys could come in and contribute. But they, to me, they all kind of look like projects. Like maybe they'll yeah. develop it. They're all they're big. They're all six five, six six, six seven, all near three hundred pounds. But they don't seem like they're ready to step in and play college now.
0: It's tough as a freshman, even a really good player that's a five star guy to come in and play offensive line, let alone play that left tackle position where you're covering the back of your quarterback. And we saw USC's quarterbacks go down quite a few times yeah. last season. That's the main reason why they didn't get Bryce Young. That was one of the main reasons. But you got to protect your quarterbacks. And you had a guy that's a franchise guy that a lot of people are saying is going to be a first-round pick next year, and you still had your All quarter, three quarterbacks you ended up having to play during the season. That's a, another – you know point of contention you got to stop that you've got to improve that and they have the right tackle position that they also have to be able to fill in for next year so yeah the offensive line is important these guys are not necessarily the guy i mean even like i said even if it was a class and you have six guys and maybe you got three of them that are four stars maybe a five star in there you're still going ah do we want to play those guys right away that's college football you yeah. do not want to have to play those guys as true freshmen instead usc gets some guys that are you know really it's a lot of projects Maybe there's a guy in there that could play left tackle, but I mean to play next year. I think they're definitely going to the porthole for a left
2: tackle, and they could because there is some talent there. There is some talent. Ray, real quick, Healy yes. uh, on uh, Periscope, we had a couple international shoutouts. One from oh, Sweden, and, and one from oh, and one from Glasgow, Scotland. I was just nice. in Scotland over the summer and played. Yeah, uh, I played the Scotland. old course, so it was it was awesome. So uh, shout outs to a 1995 a Scotsman.
1: Very cool. Uh, People are keeping track of the Ryan food analogies. I think we also have to keep track of how many times Gerard says porthole instead of portal. I only Uh, said it once, though. Okay, but we'll see how the night goes. Uh, I'm going to ask one more question and jump into calls. Gerard, you can talk about this as well since you're an expert. When people look at the glass half-full people, the sunshine pumpers, as we like to call them, when talking about recruiting and the rankings and whatnot, they tend to look at stars and then look at examples like Keaton Slovis or a Keenan Kristen and say, hey, these, those guys were three stars, and look at how they played. Do stars matter, Gerard? Yes. Of course they matter. <laughs> I know, but expand on it. <laughs> uh,
0: for every Keaton Slovis that you have, you've got three or four guys that are four stars. I mean, USC that the fear right now with USC is that they're winning eight games and they are clearly more talented than many of the teams that they play. So what happens when those four stars and those five-star guys, Amon Ross St. Brown, uh, you know, Drake London, Drake Jackson, uh, Jay Tufele, Marlon Tuilapalotu, I mean, they've got a bunch of guys in the starting lineup that are four and five-star guys.
2: Talanoa, Hufunga, like, you know, but the impact players for USC, think of, like, who was Juju smith schuster a three-star? No. Yeah. Adore Jackson was a 5 Like, that's USC's DNA. You bring in the five-stars, the high-ranked four-stars, and they come in and play. There's going to be some three-star guys. But you sign a whole class of that, and you expect a bunch of Juju's and Adore's, they're not going to be there.
0: What does USC look like in those close games with ASU and UCLA when... You don't have those big playmakers that can sort of play outside of the system and make plays. And, you know, Keen Slovis turned out to be a really good player. We have to see what he does as a sophomore. Guys sometimes they have sophomore slumps. USC has not been great at developing quarterbacks. They have not been great at getting their quarterback from the time that they step on the field to be better when the time they step off the field and they go to the NFL. I think – Cody Kessler might have been the only guy that you could make that argument that he left USC better than when he started playing at USC as a starting quarterback so yeah. that's going to be a big issue with like the Matt Slovis. Barkley's of
2: the world team did not you know they completely digress yeah.
0: Sam Darnold digressed I mean yeah. he, he went from being a guy that you know as a, as a redshirt freshman was all world and then he had what 22 turnovers by himself yeah um, as but a with a, a guy like you're... Graham
2: Harrell I think that's the hope is you could take a Keaton Slovis who's never we've never seen a USC quarterback do that. You'd have the three-star come in early on as a freshman and be able to play at that level. I think it was a very friend- quarterback-friendly system that Graham yeah. Harrell ran. It, it allowed a guy like Slovis, who's very talented, to be able to shine. But yeah. I think JT Daniels, the five-star, would have shined too. I mean, it, yeah, that that that's the hard question is, you know,
0: with the BYU game specifically, everybody talks about, you know, there's a, there's, there is an excuse here for USC when you start talking about the injuries. And I don't want to go into it, but, you know, with John David or, or with uh, with uh, JT Daniels, he goes down. He doesn't play very well in the Fresno State game that left like sort of a bad taste in the fans mouth. And they go, OK, well, he wasn't going to play well the rest of the season. But on the road against BYU, your first row game, you wonder, does JT Daniels win that game? You know, yeah. Ken yeah. Slovis didn't have a bad game, but does JT Daniels win that game? There are three picks in that game or no? was it three picks in that game. They I thought fixed. it was only two. I think that was I a three pick. I think it was
1: game. three. You could even but argue Matt did. Fink against UW as well. Yeah. Three interceptions.
0: Yeah. Uh, but then Matt Fink turned around and beat Utah. It's this weird thing where you go, okay, there's there's where you can argue the, the guys that get hurt came in and they ended up playing well. So you kind of forget about guys getting hurt. And that was actually the starter, JT Daniels. So, you know, that, and that's a weird dynamic, too. We talk about the quarterback not getting uh, Blake Shapin. We're not going to, we're not really sure what's going on with Kate Finnegan. I, I didn't get into that, but. Um, his father has told us, he told Chris Trevino uh, earlier today that he had not actually signed. And so that was what we had, even though that uh, Boise State had, had announced that he was at least committed. Um, usually when they announce something publicly, that means he's actually signed. Yeah. So we're not really sure kind of what the, the, the situation is there. Um, But that's another thing where you've got JT Daniels. You've got Matt Fink. Don't think Matt Fink's going to really transfer at this point. He already kind of went went through that that process. But JT Daniels we're looking at. We're kind of wondering, okay, what's going to happen to him? If if Keaton Slovis is the chosen one, John David Baker, the new tight ends inside receivers coach, talked a little bit on Trojan Live about that second year being the big jump for that offense. Okay, if it happens and Keaton doesn't have that sophomore slump, JT Daniels is not playing at USC. Um, So he's going to have to go. Then you're going to be stuck with two scholarship quarterbacks, uh, on the roster, so this is another situation where USC people say, Well, they're reaching for a quarterback, they may have to because you just don't want to get stuck with two scholarship quarterbacks on the roster.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: let's jump into some callers because they are calling about what we are talking about. First up, let's go from uh to Cole from Iowa. Hello, you're live on television. Oh, there's some also feedback. mute your stream, Cole
3: Keely Ryan. Mute your Hi, stream,
4: Keely, Cole. Ryan Gerard Jack from the 909. How you doing? Good, yeah. how are you? Thanks for having me. Uh, Fantastic. Thanks for having me. Love this show. Um, Now, as a Notre Dame guy, of course, uh, we're thrilled that this is a down year for this USC recruiting class, but that be told, USC still has an immense amount of talent. St. Brown alone may be the best receiver in the Pac-12. My question to you is, uh, even though this is a poor recruiting class, when will we actually see it affect USC? 2021-2022? Two thousand
0: twenty one, two thousand twenty two. Two thousand twenty one. Yeah, thanks, Cole. I, yeah, two thousand twenty one think... is when you're going to see the line recruiting and the lack there of getting playmakers on the line, whether it be you know a franchise offensive tackle or a guy to be able to replace J2 Fele and Marley Tui polotu yeah. and Brandon Peeley. They're all in that same class. That's gonna be real tough when you don't have those linemen and USC. You know, they get a Kobe Pepe. Okay, good player, had a really good year, but necessarily upside, I don't think I put him there with a guy like J two as an interior pass rusher. Had a really good year. I mean, he could prove us wrong. He ended up having, I think, eleven sacks and and double digits uh, tackle for loss. He was a big
2: part of that, say, John Bosco team that won a national championship. You but, know what I mean?
0: but not necessarily a guy I think upside wise you would compare with J two Fale or Tui Polotu. You get two lead Tui is love to say that name.
1: Um,
0: he's, you know, coming in, obviously not as, as, as highly touted as his brother. He's got some weight, I think, to put on him. I don't think he's an outside guy. I think he's an inside guy. Uh, and then you've got uh, Jamar uh, Sakona, who's, who's coming in, who I kind of actually like more as a guard than I like as a, as a defensive tackle. So that class, that does, not, that does not equate to what they're going to lose when they lose Chey Tufele yeah. and Marlon Tui Pelotu. And they didn't get those guys really in the last class outside of Drake uh, Jackson, he's kind of the one guy that's going to be, I think, a very good pass rusher. So I, I we kind of talked about it a little bit. You know, when does it sort of catch up to USC? They're beating teams right now where they are definitely have the margin of talent. Yeah. When that talent margin starts to go down and go down, what are we looking at? You know, that's the big fear. It's like you're going to go from eight four to you barely, you know, you might not be 500 anymore in yeah.
2: those games. I think you got like 17 starters coming back. It's going to be a good a talent year for USC. They should be better. Would should be good. But 20, I agree with Gerard. 2021, there, I think there's going to be more of a drop-off. And that class of 2019 was going to be a little worse, and it got saved with a Brew McCoy coming in yeah. and a Chris Steele, who, you know, ended up playing a lot last year. A Keaton Slovas who ends up, you know, the three-star guy, ends up being your starting quarterback. So I think you got some pieces out of that 2019 class that maybe you weren't counting on, especially guys transferring in. You're not going to really have that. You might, you know, Gary Brian I think, can contribute. He's, he's He has a skill set that USC's receivers don't really have right now, even though USC's deep there. I think a Kobe Pepe, you know, uh, he could be good. He's, he. I think he's versatile on the defensive front, and we're not sure what Todd Orlando is going to run, but you got a four-down lineman kind of thing. I think he can play the two-technique, three-technique. I think he might have an opportunity, but there's not a lot of obvious impact guys. So sure. I think there's going to be a drop-off, but you won't really see it, Cole, until 2021, like Gerard said.
1: Thanks, Cole, for the call. We appreciate he it. He said
2: oh, he's a Notre Dame fan, of course. course. We
1: have some resident like he's called rival before. fans yeah. oh
2: but he said of course like he's well, a he's a mean? nice <laughs> rival fan like we had like a sure se- semi-trolling duck fan last uh, week yeah, but it wasn't it was not really like that was really the only one we've had like most sure. anyone that calls in from uh, an opponent's fan base has always been very respectful
1: mm-hmm. yeah we have a resident ucla fan it's very interesting who watches the yeah. show uh, let's go to a pair style podcast i guess legend if i will say uh yeah. curtis from Marino valley yes curtis hello you're live on tunnel vision
4: Hey, you guys! Great show. Thank you. Uh, I heard Gerard. I heard Gerard say that uh, uh, Keaton Slovitz is the chosen one, and he probably will be. But to have J.T. Daniels, another a five star, after him uh, competing for the position, I know that uh, Bryce Young is a great player. But at eighteen years old, he wasn't going to play over those two guys he might not play the next year and we should go strictly to the transfer portal why get all these three stars and 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 walk-ons when we can get people that I went to the portal there are many four-star players people that are juniors and seniors experienced that can play that are ready to go we can't, we can't waste time being last in recruiting.
0: we got to go after the best players in the portal. What do you think, Gerard? Thanks, Curtis. The only thing about the portal is that they're in the portal, and you wonder why. So if they were such a good player and they could contribute so much, you do have that question mark about, okay, why are they transferring? Now, if it's a school that you've obviously got stacked talent like an Alabama, you say, you know what? It doesn't really matter. That kid's probably still talented. Yeah? yeah. He left because he couldn't play there, but maybe there was just so much talent. He could play at our school. Though, yeah, really. he yeah. could not just get traction and get enough reps. Because we've, we've seen the other side of that at USC with maybe Pete Carroll, where there's guys you go, that guy, if he got some more reps – he, should, he would be a good player. And so you see that with certain schools. But there's also guys that just try to reinvent themselves. They couldn't play because they just weren't good enough. So you go, okay, I mean, what is USC really getting there? Are they getting a guy that can play left tackle? Are they getting a guy that can play safety or running back if he's leaving? So it's a little mixed bag. I think with the quarterback position, you're not going to see a guy come in from the portal because – mainly you've got Keaton Slovis sitting yeah. there. And Keaton Slovis is a freshman, gonna be a sophomore, and nobody's gonna want to play behind him because they figure he's gonna be there for another two years at least. So that makes it very difficult. Um that's the one position where I, I don't think the porthole's really an option and they are going to have to reach if they feel like they need to get another guy at that quarterback position and not, you know, Put themselves in a vulnerable spot if JT Daniels decides to leave.
2: Yeah, I think you got to use the transfer portal in the in the right way. And if it, you know they brought in a right tackle last year, that was right. If they bring in uh, a left tackle this year, that would be correct. Not, like Gerard said, this isn't a situation where you'd bring in a transfer quarterback. Those guys want to play right away. We've seen the Justin Fields. We've seen it, it's worked. Um, as far as Bryce Young goes, I think that's more of an excuse. If you read my piece on, uh, I did. I'm doing a recruiting deep dive now. I'm a th- halfway through three parts of six. Uh, and, you know, Greg Biggins is very really close to the Young family. He made it very clear that Bryce Young was not afraid of coming into USC. He was not afraid of Keaton Slovis when he tre- when he decided to decommit and go to Alabama. Keaton Slovis hadn't become the superstar at that point. So uh, I think he's someone that has a lot of confidence in himself and feels like he can come in and compete right away. He feels he's going to be able to do that in Alabama as well. So uh, it wouldn't be, wouldn't be right for a transfer portal for a quarterback in this spot. Uh, and I don't think you want to just bring in all transfer portal guys instead of you know bringing in recruits, but you can fill in some key roles. And I think this year will be trying to get a left tackle.
1: Yep. Thanks, Curtis, for the call. Thank you, Curtis. And now let's go to Bobby. Hello, you're live on television.
3: Hey, hello, Keely, Ryan, and Gerard. How are you guys this evening?
2: Doing yeah. very well, What's up, Bobby.
3: i tell you, Brian and Keely. You're downplaying it. This is, you know, you talk about Corey Foreman being a fireball offense. Last Wednesday night, uh, you had Clay Helton and Mike Jink at Mike Brennan's home. And USC's tailback, you. You mean to tell me, I I know we lost something to Texas, but, okay, Texas is a blue-blood program. But we're losing a running back. When you have a coach, the position coach and the head coach at the home, and then in a week can't close a a kid and he's going to where? Kentucky. We lose a running back to Kentucky. This is is mind-boggling. Fly first class, spend money. To go uh, for your $100 donors like I used to be and going to USC uh, to lose to Kentucky drives me nuts. That's that's a fireable offense. Number two point, you don't think there's going to be somebody in the secondary with uh, uh, the new coaches coming in that might not hit the portal? I mean, you you lose Chad Kay and Burns after one year, what assistant coaches are going to sit there and actually think about coming with the uncertainty that's going on. And what bothers the last point that I want to get in is Texas defensive coordinator, Todd Orlando. U- USC's biggest win was Utah. Utah loses to Oregon and gets killed by Texas. Texas goes 7-5, and five, but they still kill, uh, keep Utah down to 10 points. I mean, something, something here is not cooking in the right uh, order. Something smells very wrong and very fishy. I'm telling you one thing. This is a train wreck, and we're covering you guys at uscfootball.com. Do an unbelievable job. The train wreck is coming, and it's coming very quickly. Thanks for you do a hell of a great job.
2: Thanks, Bobby. Thanks, Appreciate. Bobby. So, You're Todd Orlando spotting. Yeah, Todd. We're looking in a the tunnel. There's a light coming. Todd Orlando wasn't the defensive coordinator for the bowl game because he was fired right before that.
0: But who uh, was? But yeah.
2: Yeah, Craig Niver, is, who's now USC secondary coach. So, yeah, they were both part of you know holding uh, Utah down in that one. I, I don't think it's going to be hard to find more assistant coaches. I think Todd Orlando will get a couple good guys on the defensive side of the ball. But you're right about, you know, could there be some people leaving? And we've seen UCLA stack the transfer portal. We've seen Stanford yeah. stack it. USC really hasn't. But to me, that's more about the uncertainty and you're waiting to see where things fall into place and Todd Orlando is more of a no-nonsense kind of guy. Mm-hmm. you've had a uh, Clancy Pendergast who you know wasn't going to be getting in everyone's face and you know and keeping maybe not holding people accountable the same way like a Todd Orlando will um, you might not like that yeah. but and some people might not might not have liked the coaches that they had and now that they're gone they stick around so there could still be some movement. Uh, I think on the defensive side of the ball, depending on who they hire and how those, you know, those coaches and players interact.
0: I don't think Clancy was necessarily a guy that was such a nice guy personality-wise. Some of the arguments you maybe make for Clay Helton, and that's why you see a guy like Tartar Lando come in and personality wise, he's so much different and they would want to leave because of that. I don't think so. I mean, Clancy could be pretty demanding of his guys. He was much more low-keyed and say a lot and you didn't hear a whole lot from him on the field. But behind the scenes, he's a guy that could be pretty demanding. He could he could actually get into players' faces. And there was a little bit of diversity there with uh, the locker room, I, I think, originally when he came in and kind of how he did things. I think it's more scheme and how much certain players play in terms of position yeah. and being able to sell that. I think I could see players maybe leaving – because they feel like they're not going to be a good part of that scheme. They're not going to be able to to showcase their talent because maybe at one position they're not playing enough or they're having to try to change positions a little bit. We're going to see. I mean, Tyler Orlando used a lot of dime defenses at Texas last year, but obviously you're playing in the Big 12. You're playing against a lot of air raid type offenses that throw the ball around a lot, and so you're going to have to play a lot of defensive backs. So we're going to see how that kind of shakes out. I think going back to the second point uh, that was made in terms of Michael Drennan, and Michael, uh, Mike Jenks and Clay Helton going in home and, and missing out on that one, that one stings the most. And, and we kind of talked about that in the beginning with overall thoughts. I keep coming back to that running back position because that was sort of the position USC needed to get a guy in this class. Yeah. And this was a class where you had everything set up to say, okay, you've got Stephen Carr leaving, you got got Metal Ply leaving, you want to have that guy ready to go in after next year to be able to hit the ground running. Kind of like with the left tackle. You want to have that playmaker yeah. to be able to come in next uh, after next season and be able to play a lot of minutes and kind of be that that main guy. I think there's a lot of things at play here. I keep hearing that Mike Jenks is still one of the best recruiters on the staff. Now, he did recruit the two Texas offensive linemen, Cortland Ford And Casey Collar, Uh, I I like Casey Collar. I I wish I could see him in person. I really like what I see from him on film. Maybe he's that guy ends up being the great left tackle. Um, But yeah, there was a lot of misses. And I think some of it had to maybe do with bad reads. Maybe USC kind of thought they were USC and they had a little bit of that we are SC, which that's become a bit of a pretentious sort of negative connotation. We are SC we know better you guys don't know what's going on you're outsiders it's not a thing of pride anymore it became something of you know we're in our ivory tower and we're looking down at you 100 donors and there's some of that sort of arrogance that sometimes maybe bleeds into recruiting as well we're tailback you we're going to get these guys because we're just going to get these guys yeah. and those guys didn't show up in the running back position specifically you had miss after miss after miss but like i said I keep hearing that, you know, he is a guy that's engaged. It's a name that comes up a lot on paper. I think Mike Jenks would be a good coach. There is one little tidbit, and I was kind of saving this post-signing day. Texas AM might be interested in Mike Jenks. You know, Mike Jenks is a guy that has a lot of Texas ties, uh, excuse me, Texas AM. Texas A&M really kind of looking for a coach that has a little more Texas flair. They've got a bunch of coaches on that staff. It's kind of interesting like USC where they have a lot of of out-of-state ties from Florida and other places, but they don't necessarily have a bunch of guys that are there from Texas that can really work with those high school coaches Mike Jakes was a high school coach in Texas for a long time, and he does know those inroads. So there's some interesting stuff there that his name has come up with some other jobs. And, you know, it'd kind of be interesting to see if he if he left that. Obviously, I think he's making good money at USC. He's very comfortable in the system. I think he likes, you know, working with Graham, and I think he likes working with Clay Helton. I think it would have to be a big offer, but I think Texas A&M does have a co-coordinator title they could dangle out there so it'd be interesting if that might happen and and, and perhaps maybe even something that you know Mike Drennan I know with Kentucky there's a lot of hesitation because the coach that's a primary recruiter for him at Kentucky has evidently been rumored about going to perhaps another school and that was something that really weighed on his mind so even with you know Mike Jenks I, with recruiting and these kids they got to know that all these coaches could leave yeah you know, that, that's at any you time you shouldn't yeah. be committing to a school because of a coach um, but with Jenks you know, down the line, I mean, obviously, he's got to get some running backs. I mean, that's the proof of the pudding. But I Because this is a staff
2: that usually, well, we don't know what they're going to do going forward. They don't have a recruiting coordinator, coordinator anymore. But they would recruit their position for the most part. And Yeah, which was a different strategy. They they did a lot of that,
0: and we talked about that being kind of unique. And that started with Sarkeesian and sort of bled over to Clay Helton. You could say, well, you want more accountability because if you're not recruiting for your position, your position is going to be bad. Yeah. And ultimately, you've got to protect your position. But it just seemed like, from a territory standpoint, you had more inroads that you could make. And then eventually, those inroads that you make, and you get your foot in the door because of the connections that you have in that area. You sort of lead that into the position coach. And then you're basically becoming the champion on the staff for your position coach. You can basically introduce him, talk him up, say, hey, this guy's a great offensive line coach, blah, blah, blah. And then you make that connection with that position coach. That's how it's traditionally been done at USC. That's worked at USC. I think USC is kind of sort of going back to that. Although, I mean, I guess they're just going to have to split up Texas because basically most There's of the staff of Texas at this point <laughs> is a bunch of Texas guys. So they're going to have to split up. You got San Antonio. You got Houston. You got <laughs> Dallas. You got Austin.
1: Yep. Thanks for the call, Bobby. Always good stuff from Jar He's putting little tidbits in our, our tunnel vision that usually is for the peristyle or the war room. So thanks for that. Uh, but, Bobby – Uh, went into something that we're going to talk about next, the coaching moves uh, that USC made and made official on Monday. Uh, Chad K., Greg Burns, and Johnny Nansen are out. Johnny Nansen was a part of the staff since 2013, so that seems like a, a big move in that sense. And then Obviously, Todd Orlando is the new defensive coordinator. Uh, Craig Niver is joining as the safeties coach. And then John David Baker was promoted to tight ends coach. Uh, we mentioned he's an inside receivers coach. Officially, he was not named as such, and he doesn't have it in his Twitter bio at, uh, either. So uh, figuring that out. But what were your guys' thoughts about these moves uh, and where USC will go next? We'll get into that, what Clay said on Trojans Live. But first off, the moves that USC made official on Monday.
2: Yeah, for John David Baker, I mean, he talked about it on Trojans Live today. You know, meeting him, meeting Graham Harrell when he was in high school and they just were very close. I think that was someone that Graham Harrell didn't really get to bring anyone with him as far as a full-time assistant from North Texas, like Cliff Kingsbury had with Mike Jenks. He might've brought some more people if he stuck around longer, hard to say, but this was someone that he brought with him. And to be able to promote him, now you have an inside receivers coach or tight ends coach and someone that he's very close with. He said he's very involved in the game planning, uh, all of the stuff. So he's been very involved in this offense. And someone that's very familiar with it, he thinks it to be a, a big jump from year one to year two. So I think all that makes sense. On the defensive side of the ball, we like we mentioned earlier, accidentally, and you know we're at the uh, Rock and Riley's, we did a little signing day luncheon. Uh, and some of the people showed up early. This was We were st- starting at noon, and we had like five people there before. It was like quarter to noon, and and a couple of guys walk in, and Gerard goes, that's that's Todd Orlando. I'm going to go over there. And we weren't sure. We had actually tried to get a couple of coaches to come over because we had some members of the athletic department coming over. They were going to see if they could do that. We weren't sure if they came for the event. So I went over and introduced myself, came over. They talked to the group for a little while. We all got to talk. Uh, Craig uh, Niver just – I mean – he was i he was a higher energy guy he felt more comfortable i think in the group yeah. than Todd Orlando did uh, but it was really interesting to kind of interact with those guys a little bit uh, and craig was more i think he was more willing to be to to kind of jump in and, and craig, interact craig,
0: craig had some swagger
2: there was a little swagger, a little but swagger. todd a little orlando swagger. was a guy that was like that guy i don't think you want to mess with like you i just i just had a feeling like yep yeah, that that guy means business and uh so it was interesting we just got to you know a, a brief 10 minute or less interaction with uh, with those two guys. And uh, everyone I talked to from the Texas side of things loved them. And like I mentioned before, like a Todd Orlando, it's sort of like, and, and Clay Elton said this, and I agree with him. Like if you were to hire him two years ago, everyone would have been like, he got a big raise. He's one of the highest paid assistant coaches in the country. He wasn't like Dave Aranda level, but he was pretty high up there. Um, and then, you know, they had a bad year. He could be a little bit of a, a scapegoat. He was, a, he, I think he's okay on the recruiting side. I know, um, Clay Hilton was saying he's been great. The Texas people told me he was he's pretty good, but they they really loved uh, Craig Niver and how he was able to recruit. And, and the way we interacted today, you could see, like, you could see his personality. So I i think the additions, I like them. Uh, I'm curious to see, you know, the last three defensive line coach, um, uh, a secondary coach or a, a corners coach and then a special teams coordinator, which direction they go there.
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I, I think Greg Burns is probably the only one where, it was a bit surprising. You didn't yeah. know if they'd want to keep on to him. It seemed like he was a player favorite. Yeah. Um, but you know, you kind of heard a lot of stuff about Nansen, just a lot of talk from other college coaches and other schools. You knew that he had his feelers out there, and he's a recruiting coordinator as well. He's been one of the, you know, the the holdovers from the Steve Sarkeesian era. The only holdover. And and a guy that was very close with Clay. Um, so that was interesting you lose uh, Chad Kauhaha as well. And that, so that poly sort of connection, and there's been a lot of talk about that in the recruiting trail. And it sort of came up with the Justin Flo recruitment. And I, and I don't know how much of it is, is, is real and, and how much of it is kind of buying into myth and legend, but, you know, just not uh, a, a lot of uh, African-American players in the front seven and, and feeling that there was, you, you weren't getting a lot of playing time, uh, unless you were Polynesian, and, and again, I I don't buy into that, but that was something that came up with a We'd lot. Heard of about it, yeah. parents and 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 recruits' of parents most of all asking about that. Um, I'm like, well, Drake Jackson had a pretty good year, and I don't think he's Tongan or Samoan. <laughs> um, so I, you know, you you want to get guys on the, the the field that can make plays for you. I think there was just a connection to that culture, and, and and certainly early on when USC started recruiting with Johnny Nansen, I mean, he was gangbusters, and they were killing it with the with the the Samoan players and the, in the Hawaiian players that sort of changed last couple of years. It was like sort of after Penn recruitment, it kind of fell off the edge a little bit with some of the top players uh, in Utah and, and guys like uh, Jonah Tana'au. Um, it just seemed like something, something was missing all of a sudden with being able to get those top Polynesian guys. And so it's going to be interesting to see is USC going to have that representation still, uh, on their on their roster, obviously they've they've made sort of a one eighty. They've gone from you know uh, you know going to Tonga and, and Samoa and, and grass skirts and luau's to Texas barbecue. Yeah. You know we all of a sudden it's, you know we're gonna go recruit Texas and Texas is gonna be like our second home. Blah blah blah. I've said this before. It's tough to go into Texas. Texas is not the state where you go in and you find a bunch of diamonds in the rough. Now you can don't get me wrong. There are guys that are underrated, but Texas football is very big. And there's a lot of schools that go in there and recruit Texas. There's a lot more schools even that go into Texas than actually go into California. If you want diamonds and rough, go to Fresno, go to Bakersfield, go to Sacramento, go out of Hesalia. There's a lot of places that are blank spots on the map uh, when recruiting sort of those diamonds in the rough, but you gotta go find them and you gotta grind for them. USC's going into Texas, they've got a lot of uh, a lot of pull now. So we'll see, you know, if they're really able to go toe-to-toe with not, you know, not Baylor and not TCU, but Oklahoma, you got to go out there against Texas, Texas AM. Those are the schools. LSU, you're going to go after the top, you know, teams, uh, the top uh, players in Texas. You're going to go against Alabama. You're going to go against all those players, yeah. um, all those big time schools. So that's going to be interesting to see how they fill out the staff, especially, you know, obviously on defense. That's where it is. Defensive line coach has to be a good recruiter, has to also be a good developer of talent. I think Chad Aha. the one thing about him, he had a good, uh, uh, track record for developing guys you know at Oregon State and Utah you know schools that were not necessarily getting big-time players but you knew you know he was still finding them he was still developing that was the one thing that you felt pretty good about with him if you really want to hit a home run you got to get a guy that can do that but a guy could also recruit really well and I think you know Clay Helton sort of broke a little bit of news here saying he's looking for cornerbacks coach that's interesting because it it
1: sounds like they have one lined up, not kind of seem like they have somebody
0: in mind. And you know, that, that what that the shift there, I see there is what happens with Clay, Chris Claiborne. That's a name that's come up a lot. And if you're going to have a cornerbacks coach and you're going to have a D line coach and you're going to have a full-time special teams coach, which he also announced, you're not going to have another linebackers coach. So that's sort of a little bit of an interesting, the mindset, at least right now, what they want to do. That's sort of the blueprint for it. And that, I think that cornerbacks coach has got to be a better recruiter than they've had. Yes. You know, Greg Birds was okay. A lot of people felt like he was really good at USC. I think that was just because they're not rubbing elbows with a lot of Ed Erdron's and T Martin these mm-hmm. days. You got to get a guy. That's a dog at that position. You got, you got to have two defensive back coaches on the roster you got to have that second. that, that I mean, and, and like you said, Nybar, it sounds like he could be a very good recruiter, but I think you definitely want to pal him up with somebody who's, you know, a younger guy, a that's, Southern California that's guy. And that's the big thing. That you bring that up, right? It's a great point. We're talking about Texas, Texas, Texas. There's not a lot of local flair here on this coaching roster for Southern California. You know, I mean, Tindrovno is that is that our is that our is that our guy <laughs> is that the the one guy that's got all the pools in Southern California? He went to high school in the South Bay, right around here. Yeah, so, that's good. so I mean, Cal State Fullerton guy, but not. Uh, a lot of you know that that the understands the circuit and understands the local players has good relationships with the. Kerry Colbert, coaches.
2: I guess you'd say, you know, I mean, some he's extent. Like, he's
0: an up, NFL guy. You know, played at, at North Carolina.
2: He's like Ventura uh, County, right? Yeah, yeah.
0: but I, I mean, they, they they don't have that guy. That's that's and listen, T. Martin came from the south and became that guy. Right. T. Martin came from the South and was such a good recruiter, he decided, I'm just going to park myself at Sarah High School, <laughs> and I'm just going to get every player that Sarah High School produces for the next 10 years, and he did pretty good doing that. So, But you need a guy, an L.A. guy that really understands L.A. and really can, can just lock down stuff just based on relationships. And so I think the cornerback position is sort of you know the one that you kind of... It seems like that's where you would want to do it at, but you know, it could be a defensive line coach as well. I mean, they definitely, I think with defensive line, though, you got to get a coach that understands developing talent. You're not going to get a bunch of 315 pound guys like you are in Mississippi and Alabama and Florida. It's not like the South. You're going to get a lot of 240 pound guys that you got to get them in the weight room. You got to redshirt them and you got to develop them. Or you got to go to Utah and maybe get the 320 pound guys, but you know. That, that's a possibility as well. But, yeah, I, I think development is very key on on both lines for any Pac-12 school. Oregon has done really well. Why? Head coach, offensive line coach. Bringing in a really good offensive line coach. They And, and they, they've gone really hard on developing uh, offensive line talent and trying to get in with defensive line talent and put a lot of emphasis on that. So I think USC it would be very, very smart to do some of the same.
1: Now I know you just touched on this, and it's it's hard to answer because the pieces of the coaching staff are not put in place. But how do you expect uh, the recruiting duties to shake out? Who becomes that recru- recruiting coordinator? Who takes the mantle that's kind of gone now? I don't yeah.
2: think they have the recruiting coordinator yet. It, I mean, it could be Craig Niver. I mean, he could be the guy that does that. He's done it before. Um, it is.
0: I will say this, and I've said this before. That position is almost you know. It, it,
2: it's more administ- administrative. Yeah,
0: it's it's it really falls more on the support staff anymore than anything. It's it's yeah. a it's a position where you got to organize, you got to get your paperwork together, you got to get a your evaluations together, you got to get your visits together, you got to get all your travel together for your coaches. That really lands a lot on support staff. And so, yeah, I mean it, it it's sort of just a, a title anymore these days with the full-time staff.
2: But there's yeah, a lot of organizational skills that go it, it into com- it. it usually
0: comes with a little extra money. So that's why I'm saying I don't yeah. know if if Nivar is the guy, if yeah. they could kind of put put that out there, dangle that out there to try to get somebody else at the D line. Or yeah. The if you bring in like position. a stud
2: defensive line coach or yeah. a cornerbacks coach, I could see either one of those guys you doing slap
0: that it on there just to give them another two
2: hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. It's doing something like that. And you see, you know how that would work out. But, yeah, I'm very curious to see how that transpires, who they pick to be the recruiting coordinator Going forward, I mean that's it's an important spot. The good thing, though, for whoever it is, they're bringing in five. They have five new recs out for recruiting support staff people. So they're going to yeah. basically double their full time people. Uh, so that there will be more people to help out behind the scenes where USC's kind of been. Uh, pretty far behind, especially some of the blue bloods across the country.
1: Yeah. Now, when this news came out about the firings of the three coaches I mentioned previously, uh, we were kind of shocked a little bit because we didn't know how much leeway Todd Orlando was going to have to build a staff. Was that something, Gerard, that surprised you? And where do you think this is coming from? Because this is not something that we've necessarily known from Clay Helton to go out, get a name that's not related to USC somehow, and then let them have kind of free reign. Yeah, I, I...
0: Yeah, a little bit of a surprise. I think, just like I said, Burns, I was, I was surprised. I yeah. think that they would try to hold on to maybe a couple of those guys. I think it's uh, ultimately a good thing. You, you want that defensive coordinator to be able to come in and and have his own staff. You really do. Yeah, And I really thought that, you know, with Graham Harrell, that would be something that they may make some moves. And I, I even said with the offensive line, I wondered, you know, Tim Drevno has, has been known to be a very good offensive line coach, but... If you've got a specific system, you want somebody that knows that specific system, and so I, I think it's a good thing. Uh, Orlando's defense is a little different than than Clancy Pendergast's. We talked about that a bit. Uh, you know, there's a couple articles that I wrote on the tight front and sort of what that consists of and how it's different. It's not as different as people may think, and you know, maybe it's sort of akin to the offense which, you know, the air right off, it's, oh, my gosh, it's going to be Mike Leach. He's going to run loose with five receivers every snap. But that really didn't turn out to be right. the case. I mean, they used Eric Cromo a lot as a as a tight end and a blocker in, in 11 personnel. So, um, yeah, I don't know if it's going to be, you know, monumentally different. I think it really has a lot to do with just play calling, preparation, you know how they practice. There's a lot of that stuff. It, it's really a lot of sort of keep it simple, stupid stuff. It's it's not. You know, Clancy Pendergast. You have to you know kind of admit he was one of the most accomplished coach, coaches that they had on the staff. I mean, this is a guy that was coached in the Super Bowl, yeah. right? Okay. I mean, he was a defensive coordinator for the Arizona Cardinals in the Super Bowl. That's a big deal. He knew yeah. his stuff. They weren't yeah. running some rinky-dink high school defense at USC. So I think to transition from that t- point. Is, is going to be pretty easy. Again, It you know, Orlando is kind of preaching some of the same things that Graham Harrell preached with the offense. It's keep it simple, stupid. We're not going to be real. It's going to be real easy to learn. It's going to be faster. But I think ultimately, and this is what the fans have said, everybody's already talked about this, how much contact do you see in practice? Yeah. How prepared are you going to be to go out there and be physical? And can you be physical? Are you going to run an offense in practice It's going to Maybe take away from the physicality that you see when you go and you play Oregon because Oregon's going to want to run the ball against you, and if you're not running the ball in practice, then you're not necessarily prepared for that. So that's really the questions: is how much rain does Todd Orlando have, and how they practice. You know, does that become a point of contention between he and Clay Helton?
1: Yep, that's a big question we all have. I'm going to jump into our call queue and then get to questions and then probably get into rapid fire pretty soon after yeah, that. Yeah, probably already reached rapid the top fire questions. The hour. I know, it
2: goes by fast.
1: All right, it's crazy. Uh, let's go to Jamal. Hello, you're live on Tunnel Vision.
5: Hi. I just want to say I really think USC is going to um, upset Alabama.
2: Jamal off with uh, the
5: opening day. I'm saying that right now because it's like I you know I've seen I've seen sparks of USC this year. I mean, you know, obviously we had JT Daniels go down and stuff like that. We had a lot of injuries and with just the players that stepped up, I seen I seen the, you know, I seen like great stuff. Like, okay, like, you know, that was great. But I also seen, you know, stuff is like, okay, uh, he shouldn't have did that or whatnot. But at the at the same time, I just look at it like, well, if everybody was at full strength and stuff like that the full season, them guys wouldn't have had to, you know, step up like had they had they did this year. And I I just truly feel like the ones that stepped up did a great job, you know, because they probably came in confused of like if they were even going to start, you know, this this year. And I just like you know I'm I'm I. I'm like, I've been going through this with USC since like, you know, every year is like, you know, I'll always be like, okay, this this has got to be. All right.
2: Yeah. All right, Jamal, we got you. Thank you. Uh, (laughs) Sorry, Jamal, to cut you off. We didn't want to bury the lead there, but now I would agree with him. if He said USC could upset Alabama by like maybe making crank calls to their hotel in the middle of the night. That would really upset (laughs) them. Uh, But how are you going to go from getting blown out by Oregon at home to, Two games later, essentially upsetting Alabama any in given Texas. Saturday.
0: Any given you can't. Saturday. You play, this is a very win
2: the game. it's a very talented team. We we talked about that 2020. They got a lot of guys back. The offense should be better. I think the defense will be a lot better. But that's a pretty big jump. Pretty, if you are any, have any confidence saying that USC is going to upset uh, a obviously really good and upset Alabama team that's not very happy that they didn't make the playoff for the first time in college football playoff history. That's uh, that takes some guts Jamal to say. I I wouldn't go there, but USC's a talented team and they they they're capable.
0: I agree. I agree. It's uh it's a bit of a stretch. You know, Alabama is going to have a new starting quarterback. You know, they're going to have a quarterback competition, so there's going to be something there, but obviously with USC, they've got to figure out sort of how they're going to defend that quarterback cuz it
2: could be Bryce Young
0: or it, it could. could be a guy that's a little more pro style. You just don't know who they're going to throw out there. They've got a few guys that could end up getting that job, but what um, happened
2: the last time USC played Alabama? They played like the, the veteran guy, then they played somebody else, and then they bring in Jalen Hurts, and he goes absolutely bananas. Yeah, uh, I mean, maybe that happens. Maybe they play a couple guys and they bring in Bryce Dallas Young. has just
0: not been good to no. USC. No,
2: that's the not other thing. All. It's like, USC, but see, I've USC... been in both of those games, Keeley. We've both been there, yes, it's not been pretty, Jamal. No. It's not been pretty.
0: USC has ringers on their coaching roster now, though.
2: All those guys Texas are gonna have guys,
0: inside, yeah. and they're going to be able ride. to spy on Alabama, and uh, maybe that will help. So, there you go.
1: Interesting. Uh, just a friendly reminder to our callers please keep it short. Yeah. Uh, we love your thoughts and opinions, but we can't have all day here. Uh, let's go to Dave. Don't ramble from,
2: on, is what she said. Pretty
1: much. Uh, d- Dave from Iowa, hello. You're live on Tunnel Vision. From
2: Iowa.
3: Hey, Tunnel Vision, good to talk again. Uh, I just got to ask, uh, what was the thought process of, of uh, offering Kate Finnegan so late in the recruiting uh, process? I mean, right before signing day, all my friends are giving me shit about it, of the <laughs> fact how the, the two-star declined a free education, basically, at a rigorous academic institution. What are your thoughts?
0: I thought we were going to talk about the caucus. No. Um, <laughs> yeah, Finnegan, well, you know what? He's yet, we don't know. If he has actually officially turned USC down right. yet, he, they but, why, but why? But why make an
2: offer like that at the last minute? Because they
0: have to reach for that position because they can't get caught with their pants down and only having two quarterbacks on, on the on the roster, the two scholarship quarterbacks on the roster. If JT Daniels decides to leave during the summer, that's yeah. that's what it comes down to. It's just having another guy there to be a scouting quarterback. And Graham Harrell felt that he had a relationship with him when he was coming out of high school and. Feels, obviously, that he's good enough to be at least serviceable. Yeah. And so he's going to make that call and say, hey, how's Argentina? We want you to come to Southern California.
2: Yeah. But, the, I mean, the optics, the, the point, uh, the optics are terrible where no, yeah. you can't, if you can't switch a two-star at the last minute, like, you, we've seen USC do this a lot where they go out, <laughs> they, they hand out an offer at the very end to some three-star guy. Uh, and boom, he, he jumps on board and like that. That would always happen. Like you missed out a couple of guys, but you always had that backup. USC's not had the backups. They they haven't. They weren't getting their front line guys. They weren't getting their second line guys to put an offer out late in the process to a kid that hasn't played in a couple years or coming off a mission that was a two star. But what do you? And he do? would rather what's, go to Boise the, State. What's, like, what's the
0: practical? The optics aren't.
2: But the optics are, are bad. Like you could. Your yeah. friends will give you crap because you
0: lose you Bryce couldn't get Young. Five star from Modern Day High School,
2: which is a pipeline to the University of Southern
0: California. Bruce Rawlinson, USC alum. How long was he committed to USC? And you lose him to Alabama. That's. Yeah. I mean the optics don't start well, so yeah. they're not going to get much. And they, better. Didn't, and
2: they didn't end well either. That's not a good. You know. Yeah, it's just that. It's That's Clay himself. But they're crapping the, out at the end of the live show. But okay.
0: to give you the the explanation, you know the the sort of okay, it's terrible, and it's sort of like the state of USC football right now, the state of (laughs) declay. It's 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 a matter of okay, you gotta at some point (laughs) you gotta pull yourself up by your bootstraps and say, okay, what's what's the take from this? You know, ultimately what's the take from this? The take is you gotta get another quarterback in this class that can be able to throw the football that's not just going to be a guy that's gonna be a walk-on type guy. You want to get a division one caliber guy. Now you can make the argument no, you should go after some guy that's not even a Division One guy in terms of his scholarship offers and just go grab a guy that you think physically could play, get him as a walk-on, and then be able to convert him into a, a scholarship guy later on down the line. I don't know that USC won't still do that. They have the ride. It's available. They got to get a guy because just yeah. you just don't want to end up with two – Division one level guys on the roster, and you you really when you're talking about scouting quarterback, it's really your third team quarterback. It's really your third quarterback on the roster. It's guys really going to be going against the scout team. That's going to hurt your defense if you don't got a guy that can le- legitimately throw the ball 15 yard downfield with some velocity. Maybe they could yep. get uh,
2: Jack Sears out of the transfer portal. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs>
1: You guys Sorry. are spicy today. Where did
2: Jack Sears end up going? Because he, he was going to go to he's San Diego State. He's back in the State. portal. He, he was at San Diego State. They had the coaching change. He's back in the portal. Ooh. So he's withdrawn. Yeah.
1: Interesting. All righty. Let's jump into questions. First up, Randy on Facebook says, does USC go after Zachary Evans now or look to the porthole for a running back?
0: I kind of think neither. We'll rapid neither. fire these, yeah. I kind of think neither. I, they're not going to go after Zachary Evans. They had a chance to do that. They didn't move on it. Integrity. Um... And I think with the port hole, there's a porthole, there's more of a chance there. I think, and I'm writing a piece on this right now, I think you're looking more at offensive tackle and potentially defensive back, probably a safety. I think that's sort of where they're looking at first. But, you know, a guy like Ricky Slate just ended up in the porthole, evidently. He's uh, transferring from uh, Penn State, five-star guy. You know, there might be a a situation there where you start to look at best player available. And when you go safety, running back might be running backs right now that are the best players available in terms of talent.
2: That's good. It's a a need.
0: I mean, Jamel Cook is the highest rated safety right now in the porthole. Really?
1: (laughs) He he sounds familiar. Yeah.
0: It was at USC. Decided to go to the other USC. Not happy there either. Sounds like USC's are not his place. Yeah,
2: go somewhere else.
1: Adrian on Facebook says, "Do you guys think that maybe the media criticism has finally gotten to Clay in regards to not having a presser today?"
2: Uh, we've seen a little bit of that. I mean, you know, it's well, he tough. didn't tweet for half the year. He so. didn't tweet. Mike Bone isn't tweeting. Um, I mean, there's a lot of they know there's criticism out there, and uh, you know, if you can avoid it, I think they're they're going to uh, the the last press conference didn't go very well. He Clay for the early sign period they just didn't answer the questions all that well. And there was a lot, there was, I think there was a good amount of tough questions from the media, you know, yeah. I, I start him off with, you know, why what, you know not being able to keep the best players in Southern California. And, you know, I, I think it would have just been a lot more of that, but it's, uh I, I think he's feeling the heat for sure. He's been feeling the heat for the last couple of years. And that's why there's been more, I think that that's part of the reason why there's been more restrictions on the media, practice closed. He's him not addressing the media as much, things like that.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, Marco on YouTube wants to know what's happening at Stanford. Why is everyone transferring?
2: So both starting guards are gone. There were some. Okay, so Stanford, there'll be an excuse that they're, it's hard to get in their graduate programs, but that hasn't seemed to be uh, an issue from before. before yeah. uh, there were some guys. I think their like backup tight end went into the portal and then came out because yeah, a couple guys
0: went in and and, and going came back. back.
2: Yeah. Now they recruited Stanford at the number three recruiting class in the Pac-12. Uh, but you know, KJ Costello leaves. He goes to. Uh, Mississippi Uh, Mississippi State State with Mike Leach, you know, Davis Mills was, you know, he looked really good, but it's a little concerning of what's going on there. There seems to be a lot of optimism with the young players and more pessimism with the older players that are transferring out of the program. So
0: Stanford's an easy place to go seven and four and seven and six and eight and four and yeah. I don't know. Stanford,
2: uh, I, I... They've taken a step back. I'm yeah. not sure they're going to get back to the Harbaugh. Harbaugh
0: was such a catalyst for them. And, and you know, i have talked about that with just USC and, you know, whatever coaching changes they make. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he, he changed the culture there at Stanford. He did a miraculous job at Stanford. That was... Oh, yeah. That was a small miracle that he did yeah. at Stanford. We
2: have a quick one on Periscope. Will Trevor Trout contribute in 2020? That's from M. Mosley 30.
0: Not very much. I mean, you got Drake Jackson there. You've got Jay Tufele. You've got Mar- Marlon Tulipelotu. polotu that's, that's the front. You know, that's the f- starting three, in my opinion. And you got to figure out who that Jack is going to be, who that guy that's going to be the stand-up outs, linebacker on the strong side is going to be.
2: Yeah. One real quick hot take from a uh, uh, great uh, Halos fan. Oh. Uh, yeah, great. So I wanted to get that for Keeley. Thank you. Does USC go into the bowl season ranked higher than LSU? He says LSU might be 8-4. and four. Uh, no, I don't think so. I think LSU will still be. Uh, People don't believe in Ed Ergeron, huh? He's a one one hit runner? No, I, yeah.
1: We're going to get back there in that bowl game. We're going to be at national championship. Yeah. <laughs> I was just about to ask for your impression, so thank you, Gerard.
0: I've been doing that all night for. Keeley. It's, yeah. it's hilarious. Oh, fair. Even a Russian. Sorry, we had to do a little drink. Periscope
2: love.
1: No, good. Good job, Ryan. Uh, Mark Watkins on YouTube says, uh, when Yeri first committed, people like Greg Biggins were projecting him as a left tackle down the line. Is that still a possibility, or does G-Mart think he'll stick at tight end at USC?
0: I still think that's a possibility, certainly with the bloodlines, with his size. Uh, we talk about franchise left tackles. You need one at some point, point, yeah. and ultimately you look at, hey, how much can you get paid? As a franchise left tackle as opposed to perhaps being a franchise tight end. You're going to get paid a lot more being a left tackle. So, we'll see. He doesn't want anything to do with left tackle. He doesn't want to play offensive line. He doesn't want to hear about it. Um, He wants to play tight end and he wants to be, you know, Gronkowski. So, we'll see if he's able to develop like that in this offense. Yeah.
1: Alexis says, is USC's tight end group the best they've ever had star-wise?
2: No. No, they've had some better, They had, like, you know, when they had... Uh, Fred
0: Davis. And... Well, I mean, even after that, when they, they had, the star-wise, they had, you know, that year where they had Junior Palme, they had the kid from uh, Lancaster. Oh, Bryce, uh, Bryce Dixon. Well, I don't know if Bryce Dixon was on the roster then, but they, they had a year. Pete Carroll's still there. It was like 2008, 2007, and I'm just blanking on the guys. They signed three that year, and like two years after that, it was the most ridiculous looking bunch, man. Like Brandon Carroll was over there just throwing balls to him, and it looked like just NFL
2: guys. Was it Jordan Cameron in that group too, or is Jordan that a different?
0: Cameron might have been coming in. They had, oh, I can't remember the two other kids that they had. I just remember Palme. Palme was a beast. Yeah, that was, that's unfortunate that he didn't pan out. That's a guy that a lot of people thought was going to play on Sundays, but no, no. It's, they've had they've had some good. It's a good group groups. though. It, this is a good group, but it's it's a solid a good, group. I yeah. mean, we're gonna have to see how healthy Daniel Imator Bebe is when he comes back. Keely's going to know because she breaks everything on Daniel Imator Bebe. She is the source for Daniel Imator Uh,
1: Speaking of tight ends, Marco on YouTube said, is Josh Fallon not cutting it at practice? He essentially wants to know why we haven't seen more from him.
2: <sighs> I don't know, man. NFL scouts like the way he looks, but just I don't know if he's played as uh, at the level he needs to play.
0: I don't know. I mean, I think that's a kind of one of those things you point to, lack of player development, a guy like that just not getting any catches, you know? I mean, the, the tight end position, and this is the whole cynical part of, you know, Yeri is that they had something like 15 catches combined. And there's was really Cromenhoek, who was a guy that, you know, was more of a blocker that had most of the catches. Yeah. So, you know, John Baxter was a tight end coach. He not really developed tight ends. He was more a special teams coach. I think, you know, maybe with John David Baker, a guy that's really focused on trying to develop tight ends, maybe they actually have somebody... That's you know in the room during the install that could pound the table a little bit for those guys and say, look, I see a mismatch, I see a place where we can actually get the ball inside in. Yeah. Yeah. Eric
2: Eric Burns on Periscope says Xavier Grimble. Xavier Grimble was in
0: there, and there yeah. was another guy that didn't qualify academically. At first, I'm blanking his
1: name. I can That's see right. him. We'll move on. But That's they fair.
0: had, a, had a, they had, they had, they've had some really good looking tight
1: ends, man. Yeah. Ryan, you're not contributing to the rapid fire. I'm sorry. Uh, Tamatud on YouTube says, given that we'll lose a ton of talent after next year, will USC no longer be able to claim that it's the most talented team in the Pac-12 for the first time since the '90s? Potentially,
2: yeah. That so 24/7 Sports does a pretty good job with their uh, talent. Uh, like it's a, a talent, um, a class talent, uh, whatever. I forget what they call it, but. It, uh, every year so they put it together it's like all the recruits so say you have a great recruiting class but half the class leaves they take that into consideration so it's a talent index uh, for every team and USC's been number four in the country the last two years and lost 12 games that's probably not good um, I think they'll move they'll fall down a little bit this year and then the next year will probably be a much bigger fall off but uh, I th- I still think they'll be the highest rated team in the Pac-12 as far as talent goes on their talent you know index but after that, I think it'll you'll see a, a more significant drop-off. Yeah,
0: 2021.
2: Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Bobby on Facebook wants to know, uh, will fans... oh, Randall Telfer. Oh, good point. Will fans ever see uh, Solomon Tuliala Poo on the field?
0: That's a good question. You know, we talked to his dad during the offseason, and, and he finally got the surgery, and the surgery worked. Uh, they did the surgery the first time, and it, they, they did an x-ray of his foot before the surgery – When he was at modern day, and then they did the the next ray afterwards, and it it looked the same. Exactly the same. So, it didn't work, and so they had to go back in, and now they've actually fused, I believe, something in there. There's a whole process to it. He went into it, but they are more hopeful. Now, Uh, he's not going to have... The, uh, the 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 flexibility that he had. So it's going to be a little interesting to see, you know, how he plays like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's guys that have had the surgery and they've been successful and they played in the NFL. So, um, you know, they, they did a little different procedure. And so now he's able to try to get going and, and, and not actually have the injury um, kind of just back at square one. So. We'll see. I, it's, it's hard to say. It's just one of those things. That, you know, we saw sure. him like
2: one practice, so we want to see him a little bit more. Of this he's, time.
0: he's doing some off-season workout stuff, and he's put some stuff on Twitter, and he looks like a beast. So
1: It's a really hard injury to come back from. That's what Cam Newton has too, right? I, I think know.
2: he did. I think he did. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, Randy, I'm not sure if I missed this, but he says, Gerard, can you give us any more tidbits about the light at the end of the tunnel? Not sure if he said that.
0: No, that was a post on the hairstyle. I can't. I really can't. Um, mm, I know what it it's It's okay. not. It, and, and you know, and it's one of those things that you know we kind of have to see it. It could kind of fall apart and, and not happen at all. I'll let you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. I always do um, after the fact, but it, it's pretty sensitive. It's still pretty sensitive, and and you know, even kind of. I kind of went out on the limb a little bit, just even putting it out there. It it, it was one of those things that there was other things happening where we kind of were sitting on some information, and then it ended up going out. And we kind of got scooped, <laughs> so it's like, hey, there's potentially something good coming down the road. We know about it. Uh, we'll keep you updated and give you more information on it as it as it comes through. So,
1: mm-hmm. uh, Coley White says, so if USC has one of the poorest recruiting classes in the Pac-12, what two or three schools got the best recruiting class? Oregon, Washington, Stanford, or did Cal out recruit Uh All those.
2: Th- yes, yes to all of those things. SC. Oregon, Washington, Stanford, <laughs> and Cal out recruited USC. You're, yes to all of them. Yes. <laughs> It was. Oregon had the best one. They got two five-star linebackers uh, from the Western region. I mean, they they did a really good job. They flipped somebody today from Alabama, I believe, like yeah, an offensive absolutely. lineman. Jeez, Washington jeez. had a really, really good class. Uh, Jimmy Lake doing a good job there. Stanford, like I said, they had the third best class. Cal did pretty good. Uh, the only teams behind USC were uh, Washington State in Arizona. and Arizona. Yeah.
1: Uh, Gerard, new zoo guru on YouTube wanted to know, uh, what is your relationship like with recruits, like the whole process, and would you ever become like a Gavin for a school?
0: No. No, I'm a writer. I'm a journalist. I went to school for this. That's what I do. Uh, great relationships, but I do like to keep it professional. I do like to to keep it – look, it, I'm here not to be a part of the process. I'm here to cover the process. I think some people get that kind of confused – Um, it's easy to kind of, you know, befriend and then you kind of get lost in the shuffle of it all. But at the end of the day, I I do like to kind of take a step back and, you know, just be very upfront with, you know, I'm here to get information. I give information. I'm not a recruiter. I'm not a a bag man. I don't have anything to do with any of that kind of stuff. I'm here to just, you know, write a story and, and tell hopefully an accurate story. Uh, with information that gets your side across as to, you know, why you picked a school and genuinely what you're going through with the process and being able to, to express it. And, you know, kids have Twitter nowadays, which is different than when we first started doing the site Um, and they can tell their story directly. But a lot of times it's not necessarily, they don't know how to articulate it properly. You know, they're going through things and they're thinking things. They have reasons that they can't actually get out. Um, And so that's what I'm for. I'm, I'm, I'm a vessel of sorts to be able to put that out there.
2: But, if Gerard wanted to do that, he would do a very good job of that. And there would be schools that would be interested in hiring him, I would say.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, Alexis wanted to know, what is the deal with Taylor Katoa?
2: I haven't heard. Uh, coming back from a mission.
0: He is potentially going to come back this summer. Um, it's a little bit on him also. Uh, there has not necessarily been a, a recommitment, a reaffirmation. Right um but the expectation is that he would come back this summer and um you know it's it it's interesting that i i didn't get a yes or no as to whether that spot could potentially be filled by a porthole guy. Yeah, that's so. That's a that's a you know that's a potential. What's that? Was that two? That's five. That's oh, that five, Keeley. That's five. Oh, okay.
2: <laughs> five shots if you're drinking
0: at home. Oh, oh, oh that was one. I pulled that one out of well the done. Chris Trevino. If vault. anyone
1: watched the vlog on the <laughs> Uh Michael says what has to happen for USC to be back?
0: Oh God! Well, this Texas is rapid is fire,
1: back, folks. Yeah,
0: uh, a lot. Um. You just want you to say fire Clay Helton. That's what he wants.
2: I mean, that's the easiest. <laughs> that's the easiest way. It's like a regime, a regime change, you know. But uh, if you go out and beat Alabama, like Jamal said, they're like, not hiring
0: Urban Meyer. We know that. I feel confident in saying that, even like I've been saying for the past two years. Don't say never. I, I just don't feel like that's going to happen for USC. I think you're looking more at them trying to get the set the table, get things straight, perhaps with the administration, maybe even with the BOT to some extent. If everything goes well. They figure out the culture there first. They they kind of move out people they need to move out, and they need to get everybody on the same page with the athletic department and say, "Look, it football is. Big That's what first. they're starting
2: to do already. Football
0: yeah. is a part of the crest. Okay, football is a part. It's a pillar of this university. And then once you get the pieces in in place, and you get everything kind of sorted out. Then you bring in a guy like a PJ Fleck that can sort of rebuild the program, a guy that maybe was at a smaller school but has the energy and everything, and and they go that way. I, I don't foresee them going after Bob Stoops or Urban Meyer or some big, huge name and just interjecting him and saying, okay, you teach us how to figure it out. I don't feel like they want to do it that way. We'll see.
1: Justin on YouTube says, any chance USC revamps the marketing department?
0: Hmm. In recruiting? Yes. In general, I have no idea.
2: Yeah, the recruiting stuff. There, I mean, they're like we said, they're doubling the staff there. There hasn't been any changes in the athletic department. Uh, we know, like Jose Eskenazi from the marketing part, some other guys there, but I haven't heard of any sort of changes there. Uh, there, there's probably going to be more additions throughout uh, the department too. So we'll see there. But I haven't, we haven't heard anything uh, as far as that goes.
1: Um, someone wants to know what happened to shotgun.
2: What happened? We this? sent him home. Uh, we we're gonna have, like, it's, this, it's a lot easier to have the three of us here. We've tried to do it where there's four. It's a, just a little congested. So we gave Shotgun the night off. He can go right about baseball tonight.
1: I was going to say,
0: there's a baseball game being played somewhere. So Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah he'll be there. Um, that's pretty much it, unless anyone wants to get some final questions in. Sorry if I missed uh, your question. Ryan, was there anything on Periscope? Uh, well, Periscope? We have
2: uh, Apache USC Las Vegas. Uh, with all the damage Clay Helton has done, is he an enemy of the USC fan base? Greedy Clay Helton takes our mo- take your money and resign. There's, we get this a lot. There's a lot of fans who are like, if he had integrity, he would just resign. It's like you can't blame Clay Helton for. Taking the USD head coaching job. If any of us were offered that, we'd say, hell yeah, we'll take the job. I wouldn't. Um, you'd have to blame the I people really that wouldn't. are. really <laughs> not You wouldn't? Like... He's a coach, though. I mean, he. this yeah. is
0: his dream job. This is his profession. He's not quitting. He got the first
2: class ticket
0: he didn't pay for. He just sat down in the seat. Nobody said anything.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I like the way you put that. So, yes, he's, it's not – and people want to say they don't like him, so they want to say he's a bad person. He's not a bad person. He's a good person. We like him a lot. I mean, he's very easy to, do, you know, he's nice, to, nice person to, to deal with. But it doesn't stop me from saying I don't think he should be the head coach at the University of Southern California anymore. I mean, I, I've said that a million times. I haven't said it, but, uh, but I I have <laughs> and I will. But you, I hate it when that gets personal. And uh no, he's not. He's not going to resign. Sorry.
1: Yeah. Uh Kip wanted to know, we already touched on this a little bit, but are there any future uh tackle targets for USC? Porthole.
0: Porthole, porthole, porthole,
1: yeah. porthole.
2: Okay, we're at 10. Andy wants to know uh what about so four. he said why he said that's why Claiborne needs to be hired. Can you address what's going on with him? So he's talking about Chris Claiborne and what what Clay Hilton said on the Trojans Live show is he mentioned cornerbacks coach, defensive line, and special teams, which would mean no linebacker coach. Todd Orlando has coached linebackers everywhere he's went. USC had two linebackers coaches last year. Now we'll basically have none. They'll have Todd Orlando, who's a defensive coordinator, that will coach them. But it you can, doesn't look you, like. And
0: you can't. I mean, you he Todd Orlando's a defensive coordinator, so obviously he's got a lot on his plate. Yeah. You do traditionally see that the assistant to that position is usually. Um, at that defensive coordinator position, so, sort of the overlap there because you've got the defensive coordinator and he's focused on the whole defense, mm-hmm. and then you have that other you know assistant coach that can be a little more specific on just that whatever position that is. So, I mean, I would think that there would be some consideration there. I, I can't remember what they had at Texas. I, I believe Texas was set up the same way though as what Clay Helton said. I think there was a cornerback coach. There was safety N- coach. There was Niver, Nivar uh, diver. <laughs> there was, and then there was a defensive line coach. So, um, maybe they just, that's the way he likes to do it. He wants to have control over the linebackers. He wants to focus on the linebackers and that's going to be, you know, his thing.
2: Yeah. I kind of like that because I feel like the, the amount of talent we saw from the linebacker spot was far below what the production was. And now you're going to have a defensive coordinator kind of focus on the linebackers. I think you're going to get a lot more out of those guys, like a Pallier, Noah Dote, a Solomon. Tua that Pupu can come back and, and be healthy. I think, I think you're going to see some good contributions from the linebackers.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, we had a question. When is the next Tunnel Vision show? Lost man.
2: Good question. Uh, probably. <laughs> are We gonna go back to Sundays or Thursdays or what? Do you, what do you feel like, Keely?
1: Are we deciding this right now?
2: I don't know. Well, is <laughs> well, we'll it gonna be
0: dictated eventually by spring ball?
2: It won't true. be this weekend. True. Yeah, you we'll we'll find out when spring football is. Apparently, according to the Pac-12 Network and Carol Fult, the spring game will be on April 11th. So the, I guess you can the count, first spring game. You can count back. Uh, if you say the first spring
0: game, like there's gonna be more than
2: Yeah, I don't know.
1: Is but it a game? Yeah, is it a showcase? What What is the name? This it's time called around? the huddle,
0: ladies and gentlemen. It
2: used to be the Trojan huddle. They need to get back to that. That's they need the- to play a regular game again. Just stop all this nonsense that they were doing before.
1: Yeah, um- maybe they will. We'll see. We shall see. We have some other questions coming in, but I'm going to wrap it up. Any yeah. final thoughts, guys? Uh, Gerard, thanks so much for making the trek down. You, we yeah, always yeah. appreciate thanks, your expertise Thank and you. wisdom.
2: Thank you, Gerard. And thanks everyone that came out to uh, Rock and yep. Riley's today. I know it wasn't an exciting signing day. People made fun of us having a little <laughs> meet and greet. But Chris O'Dowd, former U- the first USC freshman to start at center, yep. right? Uh, pretty Taylor cool Mays. for him. Taylor Mays, three-time <laughs> Taylor All-American. Money. Lawrence Jackson, another three-time All-American. So we had some some studs out there. Uh, you know, Scott Wozniak from the athletic department, Brandon Sosna from the athletic department. They came over. So thanks to all them. The whole USCFootball.com staff. Dan there. Weber was there. Yeah, our money.
0: whole staff was there.
2: We had we had Crazy. the whole staff there. It was great. We got put some pictures up on Twitter and uh, Facebook and, and all that stuff. Follow us. Instagram, yeah. The hairstyle. You can follow us there. At
1: Keely's, my name. Yeah. Um. We had some confusion. People thought that there's a long break until the next television. That's not correct, though, Right? We'll be back soon.
2: Yeah, yes. yeah. We're not, like, taking a, a whole lot of time. We're Keely not going to do one like this Sunday. Keely would fall apart. Probably next Thursday, I would guess, would be the, the next one that we do. So
1: Yes. already. That's going to wrap it up. Any final thoughts, Gerard? No. Have the final word? The final no. word is no. Zip. Zip.
2: Final word sister. he's driving back to the IE. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, that's rough. Good luck with that. Alrighty, thanks so much, guys, for watching. We'll be back. Uh, That's Ryan. That's Gerard. I'm Keely. We'll see y'all next time. Bye.
2: See ya.